2: Live on the the radio in this and this is Kevin. And this is Chen.
3: Going down. Three amigos doing it once again.
2: Well. Yes, sir.
3: All right. Alan, before we start, I have to play this for everyone out there. I want to set the tone for this particular show right here because a lot of y'all, I know you've seen us promoting this show tonight. Uh, We do have a special guest that we're having coming in tonight, um, our man Raheem Shabazz, and he has a great documentary that we want to make sure that each and every one of you guys go out there and support, make sure you go out there and pick up this documentary. But this right here will set the tone and the mode of this particular show. Now, this is a clip right here from the actual movie documentary that Raheem did. So I want to set the tone with this, and once we get out of this right here, We're going to give you a little rundown on who our guest is tonight, and then we're going to go ahead and bring him in. But this right here is going to set the tone. This is the Black Holocaust. Check this out.
4: The Black Holocaust, which is taking place every day in America. You say, why do I say Black Holocaust? One out of every four black men in jail. Why do I say Black Holocaust? One out of every four black men dead in the cemetery. Why do I say Black Holocaust? two out of every four black boys being miseducated, only one out of every four black boys getting a high school diploma. We are living in the midst of a holocaust against black males that encompasses five states, from miseducation to economic castration to juvenile incarceration to psychological frustration, culminating in premature mortality in the form of extermination through homicide or through suicide. Seventy-five percent of the black men who go to jail Are bound to go back to jail this is an extermination it is not just oppression suppression or repression we are living in the age of blackmail extermination and it's a shame that the black community isn't doing anything about it
3: now that right there that clip right there features a person that we normally have on our show a whole lot as far as his clips and that's dr. Umar Abdul Jabbar I mean Johnson I said Jabbar Lord have mercy but you know, the seriousness of what we have going on in America right now with our youth. I mean, it's, all, it's basically at an epidemic level, in my opinion. And I think this is something that we need to address. And I'm glad that our guest tonight made a documentary to address this. Now, just to give you a rundown on who he is, who um, he's the owner of Rasha Entertainment. Uh, he was a contributing writer for All Hip Hop. Uh, he was also a contributing writer for the Industry Cosign. Contributing writer for Next Level Magazine, Crunk Magazine, and the Industry Status Magazine. And he's also done many films, photo shoots, and many, many, many other things um, that the list, you know, is pretty long right here. But I'm just saying this is a well-versed man right here that we're bringing in tonight. Um, What we're going to do right now, for all of our listeners out there, if you want to get in this conversation, because tonight... This is something that you guys need to definitely get involved in. Elementary is the beginning of a lot of, I'm a parent, so this right here is near and dear to my heart. And I guess with this documentary, Elementary Genocide from Penitentiary, I mean from primary to penitentiary, this is very important. I want you guys to go out there and make sure you go to rashaentertainment.com and get this documentary. But right now we're going to go ahead and bring in our guest right here. Brother Rain, what's going on? Hey, what's going on, brother? Nothing much, man. We're we're so excited to have you on tonight, man. Um, I'm I'm not alone mm-hmm. tonight. I got my 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 good friend Alan, my co-host Jen. We want to talk to you tonight about this documentary, man. Okay, let's start it off, most definitely. Um, can I say
2: something first? when I watched your documentary let me tell you I am ready to I recommend this documentary for everyone I'm a mother of a black little boy and I wanted to get my black beret and my fish shirt and I wanted to take to the streets and change the world after I saw your documentary so I was definitely inspired and I hope other people tune in and watch it and are inspired as well
5: thank you I appreciate that sister. It's definitely a timely message, and um, it needs to be told.
3: Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I just gave everybody a little rundown on who you are and some of the accolades and the things that you've done in your career. Could you let them know who you are and and basically how did you get
5: started in the industry? Okay. Um, You pretty much ran ran through my resume. A lot of this, a lot of old stuff I did uh, from several years ago. I don't want to tell my age. But um, I, I started in this industry as a, a hip hop journalist, and I, I pretty much written for every urban driven magazine that there is at one time or another as a freelance writer, and um, I seen I, I basically that the market was changing. You know, um, when you're dealing with the magazine world, advertisement is the blood of the magazine, and so when everything went off online. I kind of, like, transitioned to my own website, Rasha Entertainment, and, you know, that's where everybody was able to find my byline. And those that was following my writing career, they just came over there with me. And um, filmmaking is something that I always wanted to do, and I put out a a short film. I won five awards from that, went on to do a feature film, Uh, worked with Tyler Perry on, on four different films. And um, you know, I, I figured, you know, if I can't tell the story through the written medium, then I can do it through film.
2: Because
5: mm-hmm. if if you let the hunter tell the story, you'll never know what happened with the line. That's you true. know, so we gotta we gotta tell our own story and you know, I, I shot a lot of music videos and did a lot of things like that, but um I always wanted to do documentaries. And I just needed a subject matter that resonated with myself. And that one was one that I, I picked. And um, I, I got so many more ideas and other documentaries. And um, That one is called Elementary Genocide from Primary to Penitentiary. Mm-hmm. And I have a, um, a sequel coming out um, that's going to be called uh, Border Education versus the Border of Incarceration. And that one is, it, it goes a lot, lot more deeper because, as you know, brother Kevin, you can't, you can't just give it to everybody uh, all at once, you know what I mean? Some things take time, let it settle in, because a lot of people are going to be shocked. They're going to be like, nah, this is unbelievable. You know, how could this be true? And, you know, but everything right. is on the fact, you know, most of this information is readily available on Google. You just have to do your research.
2: So, I, I have a quick question. Um, you know, we talk. We're, we're going to get into about the men and the boys today. Um, any plans on addressing women? Um, to me, you know, I had an experience this weekend where I thought, you know, black women, you know, at the doctor's office, I was thinking, you know, there is a genocide against black women, you know, with we are the leading, you know people who have AIDS, we have AIDS and heart disease in this country and you know, are you gonna address the sisters out there and the, the problems that we have and, and the attacks that we have upon us in this country as well? Oh uh, yes, that,
5: that that that's definitely something that needs to be addressed. And even um with this documentary when we talk about uh elementary genocide and then you know a lot of people they they see a cover of on the cover, we have two uh very young African American, um, you know, uh, boys on there, but it, it also addresses the women as well, you know, because it's not just boys; it's African American youth, you True. know. And mm-hmm. um, well, on the second documentary, like I just finished uh, interviewing a female that um, was sentenced to over thirty years in jail, but the judge was leaning on her because she had a four-point grade average, first time getting in trouble. But um, under the census guidelines, she was supposed to do, like, 30 years. That but was the young lady. Census, uh-huh.
3: Was that the young lady in Orlando 200. that had the little prank with the science um, project? Say that again. W- was that the young lady in Orlando, Florida, that had the science project that turned into a prank? Oh,
5: no, no, no this, was, this was a young lady here. Her name is uh, Desiree Lee, and okay. um, I just finished interviewing her. And, um, you know, we, we got to hear it from a woman's perspective as well, because females mm-hmm. are getting caught up in, in the criminal justice system. You know, the, 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 the prison industrial complex does not discriminate. You know, their, their job is to fill bodies. And um, I don't think a lot of people are aware that there's a lot of companies that are invested in the prison industrial complex. For instance, Wells Fargo, um, Microsoft, Victoria's Secret, all of these companies are are have an investment in the prison industrial complex whether they invested in the stock or whether they got prisoners that are working for less than a dollar a day working on products that they sell to the consumer. And um oh. so anyway here's
2: guess, could I guess I just say, oh wow. Um you know, like in this when you just start to discover these things and, and like how did you come to say, you know, this information was so massive. So how did you decide that you were going to do this documentary? What inspired you to, to touch on this subject in particular? Was it just the information was just so overwhelming about, you know, the the different corporations and the system that, that you wanted to, to share with the world, rather?
5: Well, uh, absolutely. It, it, the, the information was not only overwhelming, but from personal experience, um, my. Myself included, I found myself in trouble with the criminal justice system. Um, when I went, when I when I got in trouble, I didn't even have a GED. You know, um, while I was you know locked up, I uh, got I wind up acquiring a GED. I went to college, I graduated in the uh, top ten percent of my class, and I got released eight days later. You know, but had I not went to college and did what I did. I would, I, I probably wouldn't be here talking to you right now. And the reason why I was able to go to college, because after I got accepted into college, I got my letter, and then the next week I got another letter telling me that um, the state of New York is no longer paying for college degrees for inmates, because you had inmates that were getting their doctors and their masters and things like that. So um, I wind up, it was a, a, a church that was going to pay for 21 inmates um, college education mm-hmm. and um, I, I was l- the lucky one you know I had to write a resume um, someone had to refer me and I had to go through a strenuous process and I wound up getting accepted in there you wow. know and so mm-hmm. that's how my, my journalism career took off when I came out mm-hmm. I, I started you know doing journalism for different magazines and different publications
3: yeah cause I, I do recall you man uh, I think we do have a mutual friend our good friend Charlie Braxton and uh, me should be calling oh, sure. in tonight, also, man. Um, but I mean, with, with your experiences and the things that you've gone through, you know, um, was it hard? Was it hard for you to envision yourself at this point right here?
5: Um. Yeah, and no. You know, um, it, it, it was hard because when when I look back, I, I didn't, you know. I knew I wasn't going back to jail. That that, that, right. that was one thing. You know, um, I tell people all the time that um, I knew I wasn't gonna ever commit a crime, but I couldn't say that I wouldn't be arrested for one, because just by the virtue of me being a black man and already having a record, yeah.
6: that
5: um, I could just be picked up, and once they run my name, they'll say, yeah, yup, this is him, you know, he's known for this, or whatever. But I knew that I wanted to do something different. I wanted to make a change. And I really didn't know what that change was gonna be until I had to um, make a decision. You know, do I want to work in corporate America or do I want to work for myself? And I decided to work for myself because I was working in a financial institution and everyone was getting laid off. Uh-huh. And um, the day that everyone got laid off, um, the last day of work, it was a Friday, I noticed to kid I was supposed to go and get my check. And I never went in. Um, That same day, I started shooting movies, and I never looked back every second. So um, for me, it it became easy. You know, once I realized what I wanted to do, and I just took the initiative, and I didn't stop. Yeah,
3: because, I I mean, you can definitely give great great inspiration to a a lot of young Mm -hmm. guys out there. You know, because, I mean, even with the documentary.
2: that we do know um that i know personally that have been you know in i guess the criminal justice system you're lucky because in georgia where we are um you you cannot attend a college and and you can't even do correspondence courses in our uh penal system here in georgia um so like, like what is like you know so many of them are in despair so many of them You know, think that that's the end. That that's the the end. Like, what was what was your catalyst to say this isn't going to define me, and I'm not going to be entrapped by this?
5: Um, I I had a great support system. Um, family, friends. You know, um, once 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 I was um, incarcerated, that that's a that's that's a main component. You know, you gotta have you gotta have people there. You know, you gotta know that people care and I, I think the catalyst for me was, you know, I also have a son. And um, you know, my son kinda, you know, grew up seeing me in that predicament. And I didn't want that for him. You know, so I had to I had to come out and make a change and that's what I did. And, and there's there's so many other people that wanna make that change but they have to have the right direction. You know, um mm-hmm. A lot of a lot of people like depending on what your felony is, you can't get um public assistance you can't you can't get housing, you're not eligible for student loans so it, it, it's getting harder and harder for people that you know, incarcerated and, and that come out so you have to find, but there's also you know there's also jobs where they don't ask you about your criminal background. and that's something that we explore in the next documentary. You um, can actually work for Delta, you know, in certain positions where if you do tell them that you have a criminal record, you know, you still can get a job as long as you're honest. And um, there's certain states where they can't go back more than seven years, certain states for ten years. And um, I think it's in Jersey or in another state. I'm not really sure what the state is, but you can Google it. Um, they have this thing called the um, Black Box. Yeah, they're, they're not even allowed to ask you about your criminal background record, you know, during the application process. And then I guess once you hire age you can tell them, depending on what it is, they have to keep you on the job. You know, but see, a lot of a lot of people don't know that. You know, there's people that um have been incarcerated and they've been out 10, 15 years. And they think that, you know, they can't get a job. Because every application is going to ask you, do you have a criminal background, you know? And if it yeah. was 10 15 years ago, but no, you know because they don't supposed
3: to go back to, to a certain amount of years. Now, you know, what I'm saying I, I want to definitely dive into the documentary. And before we do that, I see we do have a caller, and this is our good friend Charlie right here. Charlie, what's up, man? Hey, what's
6: going on? How y'all doing?
3: All right, we're live tonight hey, with Josh. our brother Raheem Shabazz, hey, and we're talking about genocide. his uh, documentary amazing, "Elementary Genocide: From Primary to Prison." I mean, primarily to print What's on your mind, Charlie?
6: Well, I think this is a good topic. It's a timely topic. It's certainly something I've written about
3: uh, when I was a
6: commentator for com. I think one of the things that we have to bring into this mix is the ever-growing prison industrial complex. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people don't understand that the, the move spearheaded by a lot of right-wing Republicans and greedy capitalists Are privatizing prisons All over the world Not just in America but globally And uh, when you're Privatizing these prisons then The motivation for these prisons Is not rehabilitation It's not helping people It's not even punishing people It's right. to make a profit And okay. in order to make a profit You know for a prison The prison has to remain relatively full Which means at that point, when you have uh, groups like Alex, which are writing a lot of these laws that are causing young black men to go and Latino men, or even poor whites, to go to jail and stay there uh, arbitrarily, I think that's something that needs to be looked at. It needs to be challenged. Um, Even to the point of the music, I don't know whether or not, I I think I told you about this, but... um, It's interesting now that black hip-hop in particular and black music in general, but hip-hop in particular, really Mm -hmm. hip-hop, made a switch toward more gangsterism uh, after the L.A.
3: riots.
6: Um,
3: Well, you know what, Charlie? I mean, that's one of the things that he did cover in this documentary because, you know, when you get the opportunity to see it, you know, you will know that 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 is one of the contributing factors of our children getting put in a predicament that they're in and put in prison and, and you know starts at a young age because you know the music is repetition over repetition and they hear it but one thing but, but, um,
6: let me add something to that there was a have you seen the letter that was floating on the internet it's kind of hard to find that letter now but it still exists yeah i've seen I see
5: that letter. yeah, yeah we did
2: oh
6: yeah. yeah i i, I And, uh, you know, some people are saying it's almost like a a Willie Lynch letter, but having been in the music business, I can tell you if you just trace the rise of gangster Rap along a parallel line when they said that this meeting took place, it's a frightening parallel.
3: Most definitely. Charlie, um, what we're going to do, man, we're going to put you on hold, man. We're going to get right back at Raheem right quick, and if you got any other comments or anything, I'm going to bring you back in, all right?
6: All right, well, you all be good, man. I'll just be listening in on the uh, uh, Internet so I can uh, keep the Q code uh, open.
2: Okay, all right.
3: Well,
6: thank you. Thank you, Charlie.
2: We miss you.
6: Oh, no problem. miss you, too. Happy birthday.
2: (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) All right.
5: Well, yeah, Kevin. Um,
2: Yeah, Ryan. Kevin. Yeah,
5: yeah. I, I, I want to um, add on to what he said. Um, that group that he's talking about, Alex, those mm. are the same ones who wrote the standing, uh Your standing Ground law. You right. know, um, and they was able to get that. Well, they, you know, they positioned the politicians to be able to get that passed in the law by putting up money. This is a special right. interest group that gives these uh, um, politicians money. But another thing I want to say and to piggyback on what he said about um, these private corporations that are privatizing prisons, there's two main ones. One of them is called GEO, and another one is called CCA. These are the two leading private prisons. And last year in September, they sent out a letter to 48 states. And what they were telling these 48 states is that we can take over your prison, and you don't have to run it. And, we, and you can pay us to run it at a discount cost, and as long as you guarantee that we can have a ninety percent occupancy for the next twenty years. That is crazy. You know, how can you, how can when, you guarantee when I, when I, a
2: ninety percent occupancy? Mm-hmm. When I, um I, I, used to belong to an organization called Families Against Mandatory Minimum, so I would hear these horrific stories about first-time offenders, people for nonviolent crimes, getting these, you know, extremely long prison sentences, you know, in cases where, you know, maybe probation or community service or some type of rehabilitation program probably would have been more effective. And, you know, this this organization, Families Against Mandatory Minimums, they still exist, and, like, it has changed a little bit. But it, a lot of it hasn't changed. And when I saw that in your documentary about, you know, the 90%, you know, fulfillment of these prisons, I thought, what could we do? Like, what what could someone do, like, in my community? What could I do? Like, how do we solve this?
5: Well, they, they have um, several organizations. Um, one of them in particular, I don't remember the name of them right now, but they are out of uh, California and um, it was about 3,000 students. They went and protested in front of um, a company that um, was invested in the prison. And, you know, you because know, sometimes these people, they invest money, and they don't even know what they invested in. They just know that they're getting a return on their money. But if people divest from these companies, Wells Fargo, Victoria's Secret, Microsoft, and any of those other companies, like all Every federal government, the furniture that's in there, the prisoners build. You know, uh, a lot of stuff that people don't, don't believe. Like people used to just think that prisoners do license plates. There's so many other things that they use in prison labor for, you know, and it's like 21st century slavery. And if people divest from these companies, then I think when you heard them out their pocket, you know, that, 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 that would stop all of it. Right.
3: It's another uh, entity that you know, I, uh, this is Alan speaking, that I do not support anymore and that's the Jordan brand Michael Jordan. I, I don't support him because he supports private prisons um, and I, you know, try to enlighten some of my cohorts about that as well too
6: because
3: a lot of my peers you know, they buy Jordan and I said like you're giving money towards private prisons to put us in prison and every year when new Jordans come out who the ones that are on the uh, TV news robbing
5: and stealing for my, for for Jordan's, who he actually funds these private prisons to put us in. Yeah, yeah. And it, nice. it's, it's, it's it's sad. It's a shame. And you know something needs to be done. And you know I'm the voice that, that, that's go, that's going to speak about it. Brothers and sisters, like y'all, need to speak about it. And I think that collectively. If our voices is heard and more people see the documentary and we have more community meetings and people talk about it and rally around it, a lot can be done. And that's, that's my ultimate goal. Uh, I'm actually going to be touring the country with the documentary. i got a lot of different speaking engagements lined up. And I'm just trying to get the word out to you. Oh,
2: mm-hmm. wow. You know, one of the most alarming things that I, that I found in your documentary, I have a little boy, and he's 18 months old. And when there was a statistic that was said that, you know, it starts, the, the you know, miseducation starts not, you know, in third grade, but it starts in preschool. And I was horrified by this fact, you know, thinking that, you know, I have this little boy and, you know, all these things are against him from the very innocent beginning. And, you know, what do you say to mothers like me, especially... Single mothers out there that are raising sons, because the fact we talk about this all the time on the Middlemen Show about the black family dynamic and how it has changed, and you have a lot of homes now where you know single mothers are the head of the household and they don't have that father role to guide them, you know, a lot, a lot of times, you know, in the right direction. What do you say to those women?
5: If you're in a position, you know. You know you said you're a single mother, so I'm assuming that you know you, you you you're the breadwinner and you work and things like that. but if I advise people if you're in a position um the other alternative is homeschool or sending your child to a school that has an afro centric centered education you know because when 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 we say that they they bloom for failure because as soon as they get a age, and they get in in, in these schools, and they start having these curriculums, you you, you know what they teach come Columbus Day, you know what they teach come Thanksgiving, and once they're not being taught anything that's Afrocentric or something that they can relate to, this has a psychological effect on them, and it it starts early, and it grows on into their teenage years. Um, In the documentary, there's a a young gentleman, his name is Devin. And he was actually in the fourth grade when I started uh, forming him. And at that time, he, was, he wasn't he was doing too good in school. And, um, you know, he was in a, what was supposed to be a good school because, you know, technically it was, it was a white school in and, and a good neighborhood. And um, he just wasn't, you know, um, getting good grades. But soon as he went to a school where his teachers was black and everyone around him was black, They made him feel like family and now he's an honor roll student you know he's in a a robotic class and he's doing exceptionally well and he talks about that in the documentary and actually in documentary 2 we're going to follow back up with him and see where he's at he wants to be a a, a paleontologist he taught me that word (laughs) you know he's in in the fifth (laughs) grade it took me a while i was like what what is that (laughs) <laughs> and he it. He, it's, it's on the um documentary. Paleontologist. I can't even still say it. But this <laughs> this like year you old, know, you know, he was telling me, you know, now that he's in the school, he's in a robotic class, and this is where he want to be. You know, no, you didn't ask me that, that in the fifth grade. I didn't know what I wanted to be. I wanted to, I wanted to turn on the TV and watch cartoons at that age.
3: For all those people that's out there listening right now, if you would like to get in the conversation as far as asking our guest Raheem Shabazz a question about the uh documentary, please dial seven one eight five zero eight nine nine seven two. Now Raheem, one thing I noticed, man, you have some heavy hitters um with the cast on this particular documentary. You know, Doctor Umar Johnson, you got uh you got Doctor Boyce Watkins, you know what I'm saying, Supreme Understanding, you got Killer Mike. I mean, you have some heavy hitters and some you know, on this documentary. What was the process of choosing the cast for this particular documentary?
5: Uh, you know what? It wasn't it wasn't really hard at all because um, you know, Umar Johnson, Dr. Umar Johnson, that's what he do. You know, he's a clinical psychiatrist, he has been speaking about this for, for a minute. Um, and how I got in contact with that brother is uh Professor Griff from Public Enemy. I was trying to get him on there, he said, Nah, brother he said that ain't, you know. He said I got someone that you you know that that's a particular field, you know. Um, and he introduced me to Umar uh, Johnson, and we became real cool and tight. And you know we we did it uh, supreme understanding. That's my brother, so it was easy for me to get him. Killer Mike, you know, uh me being in the in the uh, in the entertainment industry, I know a lot of celebrities. And I didn't. The one thing I didn't want, I didn't want it celebrity-driven. I could have had the biggest rap star on there. But if this is not something that resonates with them, you know, or something that they're passionate about, I didn't want them on there. And the Killer right. Mike, you know, this is something that you, you see he brought the point home, you know. And Killer Mike is one of those rappers that is eloquent, you know, and he's for the people, and he definitely can deliver the message. And we sat down and we talked about it and we just let the cameras roll. It was like a conversational, uh, uh, uh conversation a topic with with me and him. But I well, one thing I will tell you what was hard and um, disappointing, and I hope I don't run into that on the second one, uh-huh. is that um I wanted to get inside the schools. You know, I was able to get in, a, in like two schools, but there was more schools that I wanted to get in that you know initially they said yeah. You know, I send them the clip of the documentary, and it'll be like, "Nah, you're not gonna shoot that here." <laughs> and you know, I had teachers that reached out, and, and you know, at, you know, they have to get permission, and then they come back and be like, Raheem, I can't." You know, my job is on the line and, and things like that. Like I had one teacher, um, and it was a charter school, and I didn't know that uh, you know, uh, public money finances some of the charter school money mm-hmm. in addition to them doing fundraisers. And, um, you know, when he found out what it was about, he told me, nah, he couldn't do it because, you know, they received funding from Atlantic Public School System. And what I was asking him was, how do you feel about the latest scandal with the teachers that were teaching uh, cheating on the test for these students and just passing them and not teaching them? You know, and he couldn't address that. You know what I mean? And he was like, you know, we're going to probably have to cut that camera off. And, You know, he asked me, can he see the questions that I was going to ask him? And, um, it's hard. And, you know, I get it. I understand, you know, I'm not trying to, um, mess up anybody's livelihood. If that's how you earn your money by being a teacher, I would hate for you to be on this documentary and, um, lose your job, you know, for saying something yeah. that's truthful. You know, um, I just, I just hope that while they're in the classroom, that they doing something different so that we can stop this school to prison pipeline.
3: Now we do have a clip from the documentary, if it's okay with you, that we want to play. Um, it's, it's in regards to the link uh, to prison and education. Um, I think this is Dr. Umar Johnson that is uh speaking upon this so i want to pique the interest of our listeners out there to make sure that they go and support this documentary so we're going to play this clip this clip and then we're going to go right back into this conversation all right okay all right
4: let it if you want to make sure black men become criminals then you must systematically miseducate them not in fourth grade not in second grade, but beginning in preschool. In fact, many of us realize that the black boy has been miseducated by the time he reaches the fourth grade. So as a result, many of us erroneously believe that the miseducation starts in the fourth grade. I argue the opposite. The miseducation begins the first day a black boy sets foot into a preschool or a kindergarten classroom. For example, right now as we speak, less than half, of all the black boys in the United States of America can read on grade level who are in the fourth grade. Right now, less than half of all fourth grade black boys in the United States of America can read on grade level. So if we know that, the question becomes, where are these boys going to be 15 years from now? Where are they going to be 10 years from now? The answer is, unfortunately, most of them are going to be in jail.
0: Corrections Corporation of America, CCA, Corrections Corporation of America, don't miss this, recently sent a letter to 48 U.S. governors, yours was included, announcing the investment initiative, a new plan to spend up to $250 million to buy prisons from state, local, and federal government entities on the conditions of a minimum commitment of 20 years for the facility, maintaining 90% capacity over the 20-year period. I'm waiting on y'all to be offended. We cannot go for that. We cannot go for that, all right? Because you know... As long as prisons are big business, as long as they are money-making ventures in capitalistic America, then guess what? You're going to have get tough on crime. You're going to have mass incarceration and what Michelle Alexander calls the new Jim Crow.
3: And that was a clip from Elementary Genocide from Primary to the Penitentiary. Uh, we got our brother Raheem Shabazz on the phone with us. This is a great documentary. We advise everybody to make sure... You go to com. pick up this one. If you got a PayPal, click on the actual uh, photo of the documentary cover and get it right now. I know a lot of y'all out there, yeah. like, man. I I web chat right now is like crazy.
5: <laughs> All right. Brother Raheem. Yes, what's going on, brother?
3: And that clip right there, man, Um, it was surprising for me to see when we watched the documentary that – you had a reverend to speak about it, because even when you look at the uh, the church institution nowadays, it seems like they're more opted not to speak on it, just like you had the teachers that were somewhat scared to speak on it. Um, how, I mean, what is what the correlation as far as with the
5: church, the school, and our children? Um, it's, it's good that you say that, right? Um. There is a lot of preachers that are all talking about it. I just I just went out um, Thursday to a church where they had a uh, youth intervention, and they had someone that was there that was speaking about the school-to-prison pipeline. And um, I was out there filming for that. Um, you know, some some of our, well, back in the day, some of our most vouched ministers, you know, Nat Turner was a minister, you right. know, and they spoke about stuff that was going on in the community you know um and there's some that's doing it but you're not going to hear about it you know you're not you're not going to hear about it you're going to hear about td jakes you're going to hear about Cleflo dollar and when it comes to those that are trying to uplift and and liberate the black community unless it's a black owned media you're not going to hear about it but you know the church the church is, is getting actively involved you know um this is one of the biggest things that, that's on, on, on the radar. You know, uh, I got a clip of President Obama, you when know, he's talking about the, the prison industrial complex. And um, whether he's going to do something about it or not, that's yet to be seen. But a lot of people are talking about it, you know. Even even uh, the rapper everybody know and love as Kanye West that's walking around here uh, wearing a Confederate flag like he ain't got oh. no sense he talks about that on uh, uh, the prison industrial complex on um that song the new slave
3: right you know
5: um big cole uh addressed it in his um song cook a smile so you know i i think right now um it's a timely message and um rappers from politicians to everybody is, is talking about it now is just a, a plan and a course of action that has to be taken so that we can uh, eradicate this.
3: Most definitely. Now, when we look at the school system, and uh, I mean in the movie in the documentary itself, there was a particular part in there where they were talking about the oppressor teaching the oppressed. And I know oh, yeah. in our conversation a few minutes ago, we were saying if you had a school that was, you know, predominantly black or, or had black teachers, male teachers, black male teachers, it would be better for our children. Um, could you speak on you know, the reason why, you know, it's best for our children to be taught by people that look like them?
5: Um, Self-esteem, you know, um, it it, it doesn't resonate with a child if you tell them that they come from African queens and, and kings and queens and that we was the father of medicine from a person that is not melanated. Wow. And um, uh, another thing is, you know, if you look at the public school system, African-American youth are being suspended three times more than, than white, their counterparts. Okay. And they're being suspended and they're being um, sent. To the, instead of the, the, the principal's office, you have a police officer and they're being arrested for misdemeanors and minor infractions. And, you know, statistics tells you that those that are arrested in school are, are two times more to drop out of school and three times more likely to end up in the prison system. You know, um, anything from chewing gum loudly in class and different things like that, you're bound to go to school for. I mean, you're bound to go to jail for while yeah. you're in school. We just had a young man, uh, I think it was in Texas, it was on the news, where they just arrested him for turning a library book. Late, you know. Yeah, he held on to a GED library book for three years, and they sent that man to jail.
3: You Which know, like
5: at that. a time when we're trying to get our youth to read, and we tell them reading is fundamental. This man, this man, got a record because he held on to the library book for too long. Now, three years is a long time, but maybe it took him three years to get to learn arithmetic and mathematics, and you know. But it it just goes to show you, you know, it never was like that, and there's a reason why it's like that now is because the 48 states that we talked about is trying to maintain a 90% occupancy rate in those prisons. Because when those prisons are filled, prison, for those that don't know, it's like a world of its own. You got doctors in there. You got cooks. You know, anything that's going on in society, you you got police union, correction officers union, and different things like that. They, 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 they said that if under, that, under the um, mandatory minimum and the sentencing the guidelines, that if they were to let a million inmates out early or give them a reduced sentence, that it would be almost like $50 billion lost in a year. So wow. just think about the wow. law of letting those inmates out earlier that are first-time felony offenders and that got low, uh, um, you know, non-violent crimes. Wow. I
3: hope I hope I hope everybody that's listening right now is paying attention to what this brother is saying because you may have a nephew, you have a brother, you know what I'm saying? You have a, a ne- you know cousins or whatever the case may be. These are the things that you need to pay attention to because. In my opinion, it's a plan. It might not even have to be my opinion. You see it in fruition right now. It's out there. It's right there in front of your face, and it starts at an early age. Early Mm
2: -hmm. age. Now, for for those kids that it starts at such an early age, you know, a lot of the kids don't have, you know, an Afrocentric school, or even parents that have knowledge of, you know, um, I guess Comedic Empire, or the Kush Empire, or, or who we are as a people. And to those kids, their heroes aren't, you know, you know, um, people that you know are, are leaders. They're, they're people like Little Wayne. In your documentary, you spoke of, you know, there, there was a someone who spoke of Little Wayne and how they compared Little Wayne to Malcolm Little before he was Malcolm X, and how you know this person has this negative you know, influence on our youth. You know, what do you think about, you know, how do we change that in the music industry and what influences our children? So hip-hop is such, you know, a part of their lives, their world. How do we infiltrate that and change that?
5: Well, if there's an ongoing struggle right now to um have those that are rapping about socially conscious, you know, lyrics. For them to be more prevalent and to be on radio and different things like that, and I think with the internet, you know, you don't have to go to traditional radio. Traditional radio is not playing You can always find it on the internet. And I think, you know, we got to change our mindset of what we want to hear as a people. You know, um, I'm not gonna lie. Some of the stuff I, I like to hear, but some of the stuff is just like it's 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 too redundant. You know, um. You know, when I was growing up, there always was, you know, you had gangster music, you had conscious rap, but now mm-hmm. you don't have that. You know, ain't no one talking about fight the power, you know, and if they is, you're not hearing them on the radio. Matter of fact, know, so too, if
3: you remember back in the day, um, even after a certain period of time, you did not hear certain records. Now you can hear it all throughout the day. That's true. With
5: That's true. You know what? Let me, let, me, let me say something, right? Uh, T.I. did an interview, and you can go up on the internet and look this up, right? You know, um, he's no longer with Atlantic Records. He's a free agent. Right. And One of the things that they told him, they didn't want him to do that family hustle thing, right? Mm-hmm. They said that it would mess up his image, and they like to thug out T.I., and that, you know, the, the family image thing is making him appear to be soft. And those are are his words out of his mouth that a white executive over at Atlantic Records said that. You know what I mean? here it is, you know, a, a rapper that's showing his real side of himself as being a father, a married man, and being actively involved in his kid's life. And they were telling him that that's hurting his image and it's making him soft. You know, and he was like, yo, he liked the new image that he had. You know what I mean? Right. And this was whole reality show. World. So, him, you know what I mean? and despite what he may rap about, you know what I mean? It's supposed to be just music. It's supposed to be just entertainment. You know what I mean? But these record labels want people to really, you know, believe this is how you live and this is how you are supposed to live when that ain't the reality of it. You know, and, and, it, and it works. Things.
3: And the key word in what you said, well, what T.I. said as far as who told him that it was a white male.
5: They yes. don't know
3: where we come from. Like, T.I. has came from that, but T.I. is not living that lifestyle no more. T.I. kids are not living that lifestyle. T.I. kids kids would never live that lifestyle because of what he is trying to instill in them. So, and, so the things that they are trying to promote is what that so-called letter that was floating around is continuing to promote is the destruction of the black people. Very true. Um, If you're just tuning in, we are talking with Raheem Shabazz, Director of Elementary Genocides from Primary to Penitentiary. One thing I want to get into, and if you guys would like to get in and have a question about this documentary or how you can get it, dial 718-508-9972. One thing I want to get into, and, and Alan kind of spoke about it as far as a cycle, as he spoke with T.I. and his children. They will never repeat the same cycle that he had to go uh, grow up with. So, I mean, in the documentary you had um, someone speak about the cycle and how we can end this cycle. Um, could you talk a little bit about, you know, what we can do as a people to end this cycle and, 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 you know what I'm saying, what are some of the processes that we need to make make sure we take the steps to end it?
5: I think one of the, one, one of the main things is is that we shouldn't rely on the government to do it for us. You sure. know, um, it would be a good thing that you know with the sentencing guidelines that be restructured and changed and different things like that. But at the end of the day, we need to stop going to jail. You know, um, and then also we need to start teaching our kids from a young age. You know. Um, When they come home, you know, it's not always let them be in front of the TV, the video game, and this, and things like that. You know, make them read a book a week. Right. You know, it it starts at home. You know, school doesn't end just because the bell rings. You know, when they come home, you know, give them them book assignments. You know, let them read books that they can resonate with, you know, African-themed books, books that have you have stories that talk to them, to their to heart, to their spirit. Not about Christopher Columbus, you know. And, and if you tell your kids don't lie, and then you, you have them reading a book about Christopher Columbus, that's the biggest lie. So, yeah. you know, we just as, as parents, we got to be able to teach our kids. And I, and I tell everybody all the time, you know, we're the holders and keepers of ourself and our responsibility. So at the end of the day, it's on us. And I think okay. that is... If each individual do that, we'll be in a better position.
3: Now, the one thing the brother was speaking on in the documentary also was saying that we have to have people around us that know better and basically speaking up to say, hey, you don't have to be the way that your mother or your father or your cousins or your brothers, you know, be. Because, I mean, like he was saying, if you see three members of your family go to prison, you're opted to think that that is life and that's the way it's supposed to be. So, I mean, that's one thing that we definitely speak about on the Middleman Talk Show. You know, we love our people, and we want to see our people do well. And, and you know, we try to reinforce that thought process of your destiny is not determined by your surroundings at all times. You know, we love to say products of our environment. I know a lot of people that ain't the product of their environment, they made their own environment what they wanted to be by
2: being positive. Now. right. I think think that your documentary was an inspiration for, you know, a a lot of people aren't knowledgeable of these things that are happening in their community, in their world, and as you educate your children, educate yourself. And I think that that's what I came away from your documentary, that, you know, continue to educate yourself about your community, about who you are, and the type of person that you want to reflect upon your community and your children to be you know that's that's what you should strive for and that's that's the feeling that I came away from your documentary it's very powerful and you know again like Kevin said if all our listeners out there I think especially to mothers and I'm speaking to the ladies now if you have a son or, or you know you love a little boy a little black boy and you're a little girl too you know you have a child this is a this is a must that you have to see this. It's, it's ne- a necessity. Most definitely, um, Jim. Right now
3: we do have a caller that would like to uh, speak with Raheem. Uh, this is my man Messiah. What's up, Messiah? You live with the middleman, Raheem Shabazz.
1: Please, uh Good to speak to you, brother. Most
3: definitely.
1: Uh, I just wanted to uh, you know salute the brother Raheem Shabazz uh, on his efforts everything he's involved with, the things that he's saying. Of course, Kevin, as you know, you've known me for years. They're a lot of my thoughts and the things he's saying, uh, his sight and electrify me when I hear him speaking on the accountability that we need to take for the children when I hear him speaking on uh, putting things into motion such as when you come home, instead of that video game, you will do a written report, you will read, you will research. These are definitely, all I'm doing is affirming that these are definitely all the things we need to be focused on. Accountability and a conscious, uh, collective effort to take responsibility for the actions that we're portraying that, they're, that our children are reflecting.
3: Most definitely, man. Raheem, did you get all that, my brother?
5: Yes, I did. I did. And, um, You're right. You know, reading is fundamental. We got to read to our kids. We got to teach them. We got to empower them. And we got to move this generation forward. And um, Dr. Torrance Stevens, he said in the documentary, with a credit card, you had debt. But with a library card, you'll forever be rich. So those that got library cards, y'all need to get in those public libraries and get a book. You know, and, and what's ironic, we're talking about, you know, black teachers it was a white teacher, uh, I think I was in probably the sixth or seventh grade, and she gave me a book, uh, Man, Child, and the Promised Land. And um, we had to read that book, you know what I mean? And from there, that's when I knew I wanted to be a writer. But there's right. books out there, you just got to, if you read enough, you'll read a book that will spark a change in you, you know? Definitely. And that, and that, that was the change in me. I, I wanted to be a writer. You know, and by being a writer, you can visit different places, use your imagination, and you can see the world over. You know, the Definitely. world is not confined to where you live at, what in, in, uh, economical status you may be in, you know. And that's why reading is so important. It opens the minds of our youth, and I implore everybody, man, to read to their if kids. Read, man, read, if I the interject, if I may interject, read, I may interject
1: um, just to uh, uh, bear witness... To the empowerment of reading I myself come from What they would consider a statistical environment I was uh, born And raised in Chicago uh, To a mother who was uh, uh, On drugs And that came With everything you would expect That came with relying on government Programs and funding That came with schools that had uh, Neanderthalic test books And teachers with no desire to teach The children that came with the only men in the environment uh, being hustlers uh, and pimps uh, and gangsters. And being an avid reader empowered me to the position where even through all of these uh, hurdles, people had the assumption that somehow I came from somewhere else. That I was from an educated background, that I went to school, that I went to college, we're talking about somebody who got a GED in jail, and the only reason I did it then is because you got to leave the block and travel down the hall and go to another block. but because of my dedication to reading in my own personal life, you know long before I ever went to college, people had the assumption that I was college educated, and reading made me know that I could you know be whoever or whatever. I wanted to be, and 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 it took me to places, as as you were saying, in time, and time past and present around the world. That even though I couldn't get there physically, reading it, that connection with that mental collective really put me in these places, and and I was able to walk away with the experiences from every book that I read, and then they were my own. So that's important to point out, too. I think. Most
3: definitely, man. man. Messiah, man. We appreciate you for calling in and showing love to the brother right here in Shabazz, man. Hey, tell the people to keep tuning in. Download the show, man. Yes, sir. Uh, hey,
5: Kevin. Kevin.
3: Yeah.
5: Kevin, I got to walk into this function, and it's going to be a lot of fun. Thank you, man. I
3: know, you, I know you're about busy right now, man, and we appreciate you for taking your time tonight, man, and uh, we're going to make know. sure we keep supporting this documentary. Man, I'll be talking with you later, my brother, and we thank you very much.
5: All right. Thank if you so much. Another- Okay, this is another thing. Before I go, right, Um, I have a a premiere here in Atlanta, and what I want to do is I want to invite you guys out. I want to give you all tickets to it and probably, you know, give a couple of tickets online. You know, you can give out to some of the the listeners. Um, I actually don't have a date right now, I was looking at January 6th. If not the 6th, I may do a Martin Luther King weekend. I'm not really sure, but as soon as I find out, I'm definitely going to let you know, and uh, maybe we'll do some type of raffle. In addition to giving tickets, we'll give some of your uh, readers, some of your listeners, I say, I say readers, see? I'm all about readers. <laughs> yeah. You hear me? I'm the readers. I'm all about readers. But we'll give some of them um, documentaries. You know what I mean? Um, maybe we do something where they can answer a question or something like that. But um I, I just wanna get the word out there. I thank everybody for tuning in, for listening and and God bless. Most definitely, man. We thank appreciate you. It.
3: And that was Brother Raheem Tabash, Elementary Genocide from Primary Community. Make sure y'all go get that documentary, support this brother right here. We've seen it. I'm inspired by it. As my co host said, we definitely Al and Jen we love what you do, my brother. You stay strong, and we definitely will be supporting
5: you. All right, one more thing, Ryan. I want to give a shout-out, man. I got, I got to give a shout-out, man. I want to give a shout-out to my man, Goss, from Oh My Goss Productions. Uh, he's one of the uh, producers on the documentary. And uh, whenever I called on him, man, he didn't have no problem coming out and, and helping me on it, you know, from the earliest stages of it. we've seen okay. him from flip to screen, so I definitely have to give him a shout-out. So y'all, y'all stay, y'all stay blessed.
3: All right, you too, my brother. Thank you very much.
5: All right, peace.
3: All right, all right. And that was Raheem Shabazz, director of the elementary genocide from primary to penitentiary. And man, we, hey, Jim, we, we, I, I'm telling you, man, I'm so inspired by it. I, I don't know what to tell our listeners out there as far as going to get this documentary because I'm telling you, it is very, very Happy. crucial. They're, they're As a
2: parent, community. I think it's crucial. As a parent of an African American child, I think it's crucial to watch this documentary. I think it's crucial to be conscious of what's happening in our communities across the country. I think that it's a blessing that you know we've had the opportunity to view it, and I want other people to to have the opportunity too because. It's real. You know, I, like I said to him in the first beginning of taller listeners, if you weren't tuning in before, when I first thought, like, I wanted to put on my black beret, get my fist up, and hit the streets because, you know, it terrified me because I do have a son. And I know a lot of mothers and fathers out here that have children want to arm themselves with as much knowledge they can so their children do not become victims of a systematic society out to destroy them.
3: Most definitely. Um, I mean, once again, Rasha Entertainment is R-A-S-A- R-A-S-A-H I'm sorry, R-A-S-H-A-E well, entertainment.com rashaentertainment.com Make sure, as soon as you get on that link right there, you will definitely see where you can pre-order it and you can go ahead and get that documentary. Um, I, I forgot to ask but I think the release date actually is in 2014, but you know what I'm saying? You can get a, a a pre-order in. Make sure you watch it. Because I'm going to tell you, I showed it to my son. I asked him, did he learn anything? He was like, yes. Because this information that he shared and that is shared by the individuals that's on this documentary is detrimental to your parents out there to know what's going on. I'm telling you, this ain't mm-hmm. us trying to sell you nothing. This ain't us trying to overhype anything. We're trying to express to you guys, Make sure you go get this documentary. I'm telling you, if you believe in us and, you know, we got a lot of people that's been supporting us and believe what we say, we're telling you, mark our words. If we wrong, you come back and tell us we wrong. I'll fess up for it, but I'm going to tell you, we ain't wrong. <laughs> um, Alan?
2: I think that... Oh,
3: What's up, Alan? Man, I just want to say, man, uh, this is a great show today. Today, I think that all our listeners the show was uh, enlightened on the information that was provided the movie would definitely enlighten you a little bit more on a lot of things I was definitely enlightened when I watched the movie it was a lot of statistics that I didn't know about myself that really enlightened me that I'm going to spread the word about I mean because it it needs to be known and a lot of people don't know this stuff most definitely Jen go ahead um what I I was just going to you
2: know um bounce off what Alan said you know the documentary talks a lot about you know the new slavery and like we every day when you leave the house and you give your money and you put your money into your state into corporations into products into things that you know help the enslavement of our people you have to be conscious of that so you can stop that and my stopping it is stopping it with your money and I think that you know uh. You'll find that this documentary is empowering because it will give you a little bit more information about how to how to help. Because like a lot of times you feel helpless, like well, what can I do? What you know, this is so big, it's beyond me, and it's not beyond you. It's doing the little things, you know, getting your kids a library card. Stop, like Alan said, stop buying Jordans. Stop, you know, stop participating in things that are destroying our people. And you know, I, you'll walk away empowered.
3: Most definitely. And if you don't know. Don't be afraid to ask somebody because everybody started off with, you know what I'm saying, the understanding of what they understand. But to increase that knowledge, you have to participate in it to make sure you can increase that knowledge. So once again, we would like to thank everybody that took the time to listen to us tonight. Um, we did talk about the elementary genocide from primary to penitentiary, the documentary that our brother Raheem Shabazz did. Make sure you go out there and support that. That's Rasha russia Entertainment, com, Rasha. Russia- Entertainment.com. If you're a friend with us on Facebook, you can go ahead and click on uh, the Middleman Talk Show Facebook page. We got it plastered everywhere. If you're one of my friends on Facebook, I'm sorry. But, yes, I blast your page with that poster <laughs> that we had on there all day today and yesterday. So, once again, <laughs> I appreciate you guys. Thank you. If you got any questions, comments, or anything like that, hit us up at middleman at gmail.com. Also, we're in the runnings for uh, slept on Radio Personalities of the Year, Radio Personalities um, of the Year. So make sure you go vote for us at southernentertainmentawards.com, and we will appreciate you guys if we win because it's all about you guys also. Uh, thank you very much, and we appreciate it. We out.
2: All right. tune in next
0: week. You
3: middlemen shout it. Big crit shout yeah. it, Now I ain't sure what you was tuning in to, but we'll pay attention to the real talk. What we here for, do so take a listen time out. Take a minute. Shout in and learn some. Put your mind to grind the world. You destined to earn some. Linda, yeah. Comment on what you hear. Let's figure out this nigga, I didn't master plan and put this thing in gear. Don't matter if you hood or you corporate. Don't get, you got a will to do way better than you were doing. Well, then you fortunate. Take a stand. Stop complaining about what you ain't got. Hating on the next man, cause he was dying to rest. Shop. Every Sunday, tune in, go live, 6 p.m., blogtalkradio.com, the middleman, hey, what's happening, the middleman, hey, what's happening, the men hey, what's happening, blogtalkradio.com.
0: In that case, I pronounce you lucky.
2: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were
6: prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
4: Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back